thank you so much for listening, for tuning in to the Kathy Lee Parker Show. Today we're going to be talking about business coaching and recruiting and uh, the workforce out there, what's going on in the corporate world of hiring talented people and uh, so much more. Today with me I have Bill Hubbard. He, Hubbard, I may not say this last name correctly, he'll help me. Bill, how are you today, and how do I say your last name again? Hi, Kathy Lee. It's Humbert. Humbert. It's H-U-M-B-E-R-T. Yeah, I have it written up there. So, how are you? And, oh my word, we have a lot to talk about when it comes to business coaching and recruiting and what a corporate America is looking for and what do they want. We do. So, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got, you know, doing as, you know, enticing as a business coach. Well, I, I began recruiting in 1981, and uh, I was in the Washington, D.C. market out there, and it was a really competitive headhunter market. Mm-hmm. In 1990, I started my own recruiting consulting business with a focus on one company at a time and charging a flat monthly fee. So I left the headhunter side and became more of a consultant. In uh, 1995, I began uh, career coaching also as part of my business because so often the candidates that I met had no clue how to go about finding a new professional position. So that brings me up to today. You know, I've got a lot of experience in many, many different industries. for me, from a recruiting perspective, it doesn't matter what the industry is. It just matters who it is they're looking for. So those are the people I I go and recruit for them and demonstrate to them how to properly attract top talent. Mm-hmm. You started your business in 2009. Is that correct? No, I started in 1990. Um, oh, yeah, business, 1990. But I, yes, I see. Right, that. I moved to uh, Park City in 2009. Park City, Utah. Oh, I have to say Park City, Utah, because there's a lot of places out there that have Park yes, City. Yes, there's one in Kansas, too, I think. Yes, I noticed that, too. But it's not a resort, so you're living in a beautiful area. And, uh, you know, um. Yes, coaching is very, very important, especially if you haven't been out in the interview industry in years and you're wanting to look around, you want to sharpen your skills. I highly, highly recommend a business coach get some training because it's, it, you know, you get stuck. You know, right? You don't know what's going on and you don't know what they're looking for anymore. And it's always good to stay on sharp on your, uh, your perspectives. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. You know, Kathy Lee, the problem that most people have is they don't do enough research on the company to understand uh, the language that that company uses. You know, some companies, for instance, may call, call somebody who is a recruiter they may call them a talent acquisition specialist. What? <laughs> or there, there may be a person who is a buyer with one company and with another company, they're a purchasing agent. With a third company, they may have another title. So it's important to understand the language of that company and then speak that language when they're interviewing. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what they're looking for. And uh, well, it's just like anything to me, you know, um, forgive me, um, this year is the Super Bowl next weekend. Is it, yeah, is it next weekend? Well, anyway, it's this coming. Weekend. This weekend yeah. coming. And my team, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I was a swatch buckler for the, you know, I was an NFL cheerleader. And before I became an NFL cheerleader, they drill you even in writing too. And you have to take tests and all kinds of stuff. And you have to know everything about the team. You know, the um, not just how the game's played, but you got to know about the team that you're going in with. And I think that's why is that no matter what you do, if you're looking for a business or going in and interviewing somebody, you need to check them out. You know, go in so you know what you, the questions you can ask them. And you know what I mean? You can be sharp. To me, it's impressive. You know, if somebody wanted to know something about me, you check me out, right? And right. Uh, the same thing with your company, you know, if I wanted to hire you as a business coach, I will, you know, check you out, check your um, resources and website and, you know, wow, he interviewed this person or he helped this gentleman receive a job. And, you know, maybe you don't have to give the full name, but you know what I mean? You did something to help them get in with a company, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And and so I, th I think one of the reasons people use me as a career coach is my recruiting background is very important for yes. them because I know what I'm looking for. You've been doing that since 1981. That's a long time. 81 as a headhunter. So you know, and you did it in Washington, D.C. And that was not easy in Washington, D.C. It was very competitive. Uh, there were several D.C. companies that you probably know that were great clients of mine. Uh, one of them was the Washington Post. Yeah. And another was uh, Geico. Not Gecko, but Geico. Uh-huh. And a uh, third one was a, you know, little oil company by the name of Mobile Oil. A little company. <laughs> that is impressive. So you had those three companies you had to keep on, keep them uh, uh, entertained and bring them good clients. Um, That's correct. Good candidates. Yeah. And, the, you know, uh, ComSat Labs was fun because that they were the U.S. entry into Intel Sat and they were the communication satellite company before companies like MCI and AT&T, et cetera, started putting up their own satellites. Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. But um, tell me about being a candidate for Whisper. Uh, what do you know that most corporate recruiters do not know? Well, since I coach people in helping them to find a new position, most corporate recruiters don't do that. Right. And mm -hmm. so I know what that person's fears are. I know what their goals are. I know what they're facing when they're trying to find a position in a new company. Mm -hmm. And most corporate recruiters don't understand that their systems in the companies end up their administrative uh, systems as opposed to sales systems. Mm -hmm. And that means that they screen top talent out without even knowing that person applied. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I noticed that too. I noticed that 
when I have a few friends looking for work and, you know, they're so talented in their field, but they seem to get screened out. What do you think about, forgive me on this one for anybody else that are listening, but on overseas, because they say it's cheaper to hire overseas employees. So when they're um, outsourcing different groups to overseas, the, the problem that companies may face is that that staff overseas really may not be trained as well as they should be. Mm-hmm. And consequently, when somebody calls into the customer support area and then gets transferred to another country, that person receiving the call from the client of the company may not speak fluent English. Um, do you remember uh, the Palm Pilot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. I I had a problem with my Palm Pilot, mm-hmm. and I called, and I got this customer support person in another country, and he ended up wiping out my entire calendar for two years because he didn't know what he was doing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's horrible. That's absolutely horrible. And Actually, yeah. I told him, uh, Kathy Lee, I told him, you know, you've, you wiped out both my calendar and my, my backup. And if you were in the United States, I would find you and you wouldn't be helping anybody anymore. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How did he do that? How did he get, did he have ways to get into your palm, your account there? Well, yeah, you know, he just said, may I, you know, take control of it. And he told me what he was doing. And I said, I don't think that's a good idea. No, you'll be fine. And bang, it was gone. Wow. Yeah, that's true. And also, too, they think that they're better, smarter, especially those in, uh, forgive me, in India. They think they developed the IT world, and they did not. The United States did. And uh, and they're, I noticed that they're not trained sharp. You know, their English and their punctuation is horrible. And, and I thought to myself, you have what? Oh, I have a master's degree. Like, no, no, you don't. Did they teach you English writing? Yeah. American <laughs> English writing? And, uh, yeah, that was horrible. And they may have some skills that are they're good, you know, a few. But they don't have the full skills of we are trained over here in the United States from our universities and colleges. You know, they're, they're sharp. I Forgive me for those out there. I went back to college later in my years. And I was I had a lot of. Uh, I had to take a finance class and a few English classes, and there, you know, kids in there that were pretty darn sharp, but they're going into IT engineer, but they had to take the class, you know, with me, and I was impressed. They're sharp, you know, they're really on, where you know their training is being sharpened up, and you have to take these classes. Sorry, <laughs> you got to take. Yeah your finance class you gotta take your english but when you do hire some of these people overseas uh oh a good friend of mine he does software he's a software engineer he had a guy next to him he couldn't do his english right he had to walk him through how to do a write-up on his work you know and that kind of i found it on that and i said what and they're paying him how much why and uh and i noticed too that they hire people overseas because it's cheap labor 
as well, but they're getting cheap work too. So, so that I totally put on the company, you know, that's, it's just like if you hired somebody here and you didn't train them properly, it's really not that person's fault. So I, I totally believe that it's the company's fault that they did not train the staff overseas correctly. Right. They think they're getting certs. And I hear this all the time. And um, they get a master's degree. I saw someone's um, certificate on uh, their education, but they skipped everything out, like their English and writing and, and communication skill, <laughs> you know, things that we take in college, your basic necessities. Right. It was all skipped out. They went right into IT info, you know, they went right, right into that. But there's more than just IT info. You need other um, tools to make that, you know, be a full circle. That's my opinion. Well, that's the reason why so many companies like to hire liberal arts students mm -hmm. um, for positions that are not science, research, computer science, totally those kinds of positions. Those the liberal arts students are the ones that figure out how to solve problems and many times end up being the CEOs of companies. Oh my gosh, that's that's horrible. That's horrible. That's oh my gosh. Yeah, the hiring is becoming. So tell me about. I feel that the recruiters don't know what they're doing. That's just my opinion. They mess so much up. The recruiters in the company, company like you hire you know, a girl, oh, she's a recruiter, but she doesn't, does she really understand, you know, the engineer company <laughs> and what they're looking for? Right. So the, the problem with corporate recruiters, now, anytime you make a generalization, somebody's going to slap you down, right? Uh, so, so I'm going to make a wide generalization, then I'm going to tight it, tighten it down. Most recruiters that are corporate recruiters are hired by human resources. Okay. Human resources, when you look at their topics, all of them are administrative type um, positions. Positions that they're doing. So it's compensation, it's benefits, employee relations. All of those are administrative staff type work. Mm hmm. Recruiting is a sales process, and therefore the people that HR departments typically hire are administrative staff, and then they their first job is to work as a recruiter in the company. Mm -hmm. So that person doesn't understand that they're in a sales process. And as a result of that, then instead of selling top talent to come to their company, what they're doing is they're using the applicant tracking system to screen them out. Um, and it's very easy to tell which companies focus on the administrative side of recruiting. Mm -hmm. If they require a professional to complete an application before they can submit their resume, mm -hmm. There's two things. One, that demonstrates they are using it as an administrative type of tool instead of a sales tool. Mm -hmm. The second thing is 
top talent will see that they have to complete an application and know that it's going to take them anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes to complete that application. So they just leave. And the company doesn't even know that they were there. Oh, my word. Okay. That's really sad. That's sad. And the company's losing out on good talent. I see oh, that. absolutely. They drive them away every day. Oh, my word. What can we do about it? What can we make it? How can we change this? What would you do? Well, you can hire me. <laughs> <laughs> but what can we well, do to change this? I mean, we got to change this system because there is good talent out there. I run into it a lot, too, with networking. And there's good talent out there. And they're just frustrated or they go into something else. They're a little bit not what they're trained to do, what they love to do. But, uh, you know, their passion about. So they end up doing something else because they can't get back into, you know, what they love to do because corporate made a, a change. You know, I've seen that too, where you can be with a company. Nowadays, it's almost like you're not even safe, you know. If you go beyond five years, you better start looking for another job because the company could lay you off or sell, you know, and that's another thing too. Companies sell so quickly nowadays. They don't, you know, stick around for 15, 20, 30 years, you know. So what companies need to do is my, my feeling after all these years as a recruiter is that companies need to pull recruiting out of human resources. And if they are trying to attract top talent, I'd suggest that they report directly through the chief financial officer. And the reason for that is that person knows what positions are going to open when in the next year, fiscal year. And a, a person who is a recruiter, who is a sales professional, will know how to go after the top talent. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Because they know what they're looking for. They know what they want. And they can spot it. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it used to be that way what, in the 70s. <laughs> In the early 80s? Um, yeah, you know, I, it's the 70s, not so much. That was when the years that human resources um, gathered so much power. And they were known as the personnel department back then. Yeah, yeah. And and that's that was the foundation of the administrative sales or not the administrative recruiting function. Uh-huh. Prior to that, what would happen is a manager would know that they're going to want to fill a new position, so they would use their network to interview, and then they would um, hire that person, and human resources really was not involved. Okay. So it's probably a good idea for companies to return more to that model than to the um the current HR recruiting model. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, Bill, I want to repeat something that we just said here. Do you just say that recruiting is a sales process? It is totally a sales process, Kathy Lee. <sighs> I, uh, when you take, and I, 
I, gee, I should have given you the spreadsheet and I'll send it to you after, but when you look at the sales process and then you look at the recruiting process, they mirror each other perfectly. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to be successful in any process, it's important to follow all the steps. So think of automobile manufacturing. Okay. Let's say you left out just one step from building an automobile. And let's say that one step was putting the wheels with the tires on them on the car. Mm -hmm. What would happen? At the end of the line, the car would drop down and then nobody was able to pull it away. So another one would drop down on top of it. and And then you have a junk pile. Mm-hmm. And so companies who do not follow the recruiting sales process, what happens? They find that the wheels fall off of their recruiting processes. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So true. So true. This is, yeah, we need a better system. We need a better system. And to, like you said, we're losing our talent people because of that. Hmm. So how do you, uh, Bill, tell me, how do as many companies drive away top talent? I mean, I know we talked about a little bit earlier, but I think we need to repeat this more in depth because I'm getting, people want to know more. They want to know more about why, why, you know, are they losing top talent? Well, there's, that's actually two different topics. <laughs> One is the retention of top talent, and the other is the attraction of top talent. So the companies drive away top talent because they use administrative processes to hopefully attract them. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Well, the people who are really, really good say, well, I don't want to work for that company there. You know, I don't want to fill out an application before I have a conversation. Um, On the other hand, the retention of top talent, companies are getting away from their annual reviews. And it's partially because they're being lazy. And what I suggest when I'm coaching my clients is to require the manager when they open a position to list the three-month, six-month, nine-month, and 12-month goals for that position. Mm -hmm. When they are interviewing candidates, they use those goals to measure whether that person will be able to meet those goals. Mm -hmm. They hire the person who's going to do the best job meeting those goals. Mm -hmm. On their first day, they go they review the goals with the new person, with their new employee. Mm -hmm. And then during their one-on-ones throughout the year, their conversations are around, you know, so you did really well on the three month goals. Are you looking for, you know, creating the foundation for making your six month and nine month goals. And then through the year, you know, whether they made their goals or they didn't make their goals and why or why not. What's really important in this whole process is that goal setting and goal achieving employees are by definition engaged. 
And employee engagement is a huge topic in companies right now. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. Well, as yeah, okay. Then what can we, what can you do to say, for example, I bring you three um, people, you know, once a female, two men, and they were laid off by their job. You know, they had years, one had 10, one had eight, and one had five years with the company. And all of a sudden, they just got laid off. And what would you, and they needed, they think, well, why, maybe I need to sharpen up my skills. I need to be, you know, I don't know what they're looking for out there anymore these days. And they come to you, and I referred them to you. How would you sharpen their skills? How, what would you, what would be the first thing you do with them? So we're talking from a career transition right. perspective. They're and professionals. Okay. Yeah. Right. So first of all, it doesn't matter to me whether they're male or female. Okay. Um, I enjoy working with both. I, I have four sisters and I've been married 47 years. I have two daughters who are professionals and two granddaughters. So all those women have taught me things. Mm-hmm. And I've helped both women and men find new positions. So the first thing I want to know is from them, what is it that they do well that they enjoy doing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because if you're going to be working 40 to 60 hours a week, let's just find jobs that you want to do that you are really good at doing. Mm-hmm. And then we, we create stories based on those different things that they do well, that they enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. that demonstrates those skills, those attributes, and the um, different um, experiences that they have to show that they're effective with each one of those skills, experiences, or uh, attributes that they have. Mm-hmm. And you create a story to demonstrate that as opposed to listing it you know on on some resumes i see things like effective manager and i go as compared to whom <laughs> right um and so we have to build stories to back those up mm-hmm. humans i believe from it's hardwired into us from caveman days okay because they couldn't just say it's that field across the river. They would have to say, well, you go down this path, you hit the stream and you use this hand here and you follow that to where you see a break in the woods across the stream and you cross there. And man, there's a field of bright blueberries we can eat for a week. Mm-hmm. Well, cavemen understood, they, they learned, they probably ended up you know, Neanderthals and then the early humans, we ended up making it because we were able to communicate and we communicated through stories. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's People so true. remember stories, they forget facts. Uh-huh. And during interviews, one of the things that I like to do is to ask questions to get people to tell me a story. And that helps me determine whether they have the right skills or experience or attributes to be successful in the position. 
Mm-hmm. I, uh, I had a big recruiting project with MCI Telecommunications back in the early 90s. And in 93, I had to recruit a minimum of 120 IT professionals to Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Mm -hmm. And the strategy I created was I would take three to four managers the last two weeks of the month to two to three cities per week, interview 18 to 24 candidates per day make hiring decisions every single night because the next day after you've interviewed that group, you'll forget the first group. Mm-hmm. And over those dinners, so many times I heard, you know, this person was the one who talked about blah, blah, blah. Right. And and one of the managers would go, oh, yeah, that was Mary or that was John. Yeah, that's true. That's So, so true. they remembered the story. That's important. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's so true. When you tell a story, they remember that. I, I do the same thing. I do the same sure. thing. And uh, with my interviews and everything. And, and uh, but anyway, I have a few questions to ask you about your, you know, what you do, what you provide. Do you provide the system with a blueprint, templates, and things like that for your, so these three people I send to you, you know, refer to you and they say, you need to go to him. You need to sharpen your skills a little bit so you can go out to the next, um, you know, client stuff. Do you have a blueprint for them to help them along the way? I actually have a book. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I, uh, my uh, second book is employee 5.0, the secrets of a successful job search in a new world order. And the chapters are called steps because it takes doing the steps to be successful, right? One step after the other. Right. And um, recently I was interviewed on C-Suite bestsellers TV for that book. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was fun that they selected my book to interview me. What I do is the people I'm coaching, I give a copy of my book and that's the total outline. Okay. So remember earlier I said that the recruiting process mirrors the sales process perfectly. Yeah. Okay. Well, the job search or career search process also mirrors the sales process perfectly. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so if you follow the career search sales process, it'll improve your potential for finding a new position more quickly. Hmm. Okay. And do you ever take your clients and push your clients out of their comfort zone? (laughs) You know, Kathy Lee, that's one of the nice things about being an East coast kid. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not afraid to, uh, as a coach to kind of kick them in the rear end occasionally. And, uh, you know, some people kind of are surprised to get that, but my goal is to help them find their next position. It's not a mean thing. It's, it's a reminder that this was your goal. And in order for you to meet your goal, you're going to have to do these things you don't want to do. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because they've been in their comfort zone for so long. And... Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, Bill, I have a question for you. How do you define success? How do I define success? Uh-huh. 
That's a great question. I, for me, success is meeting my goals. Okay. And when you properly set a goal, uh, I use the word in my books and when I speak on proper goal setting, I use the word SCAMPS. Uh-huh. And so SCAMPS, the acronym, the first S is for setting a strategy with a specific date in mind. Mm-hmm. The C is for challenging. Mm-hmm. And the reason you have to make a challenging goal is that you, your mind is, is bored with goals that aren't challenging. Mm-hmm. And if it's challenging, your mind gets excited and wants to go out and fulfill that goal. Okay. On the other hand, the A is for attainable. The mind is, you know, whether we like it or not, our mind is pretty smart. And if it's not attainable, your mind's going to say, yeah, that was a challenging goal, but there's no way in the world we're going to make it. So I'm not even willing to work towards it. Uh-huh. Because you're not ready. Then it has it has to be measurable. Okay. Because when it's measurable, now you know where you are relative to meeting your goal. Mm-hmm. And so if you're behind, that means you have to step up certain efforts that you're making in order to get back on track. Mm-hmm. The P is for public. Now, for me, I suggest that public means to the people who would support you. Mm-hmm. And the people who would support you are family, they're friends, they're former coworkers who liked you, they're all going to support you in your effort. But most importantly, what they're gonna do, either intentionally or unintentionally, they're gonna hold you accountable. Because they'll say, hey, Kathy Lee, where are you relative to that goal? Mm-hmm. Right. And then the final is, S is a specific end date. So mm-hmm. you've got a specific goal and a specific end date. And those two S's are the bungee cord to keep everything together. Mm-hmm. Okay. True. True. Well, Bill, I have one more other question that's called my mind. How do you handle... How do you handle telling your customer or your client they're wrong? <laughs> Am I that's making a, you laughing? That's an unfair question. Come on, I don't like telling my so the the idea is you don't tell them they're wrong. Uh-huh. You ask them questions that lead them to the conclusion that they're wrong. Oh. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Because if I tell somebody they're wrong, in their mind, they're going, you don't know what you're talking about. Or you're you're not me, so you don't know. But if I if I lead them down the path, it's the Socratic method. If I lead them down the path, eventually they'll go, Oh yeah, that doesn't work out so well. <laughs> well, you know what, Bill, hold on that thought because we're gonna go into a commercial break. Hold on. Hey, this is Sabrina, the owner of MathBeast EQ'd. I believe mathematics is the most important subject students should learn, but sometimes traditional schooling isn't enough. I have a classroom space in Bluffdale, Utah, or we can use Google Meet or Skype. 
call me at 385-515-8600. Let's help your student become a beast at math so they can be a beast at life. Hi, my name is Drusilla. I am the founder and owner of Drusilla's Closet. I've created a unique system to organize your pantry and kitchen. The system also works great in various parts of your home and garage. Also in my closet, I have unique furniture, art, and decor. You can find us on Facebook, Drusilla's Closet, or call at 435-224-9260. Hey, this is Rocktop Construction. Rocktop is a family-owned business based out of Utah. We specialize in replacing worn or storm-damaged roofs and understand how to assist homeowners with property claims. For reliable service and the best value on a quality and energy-efficient roof, call Rocktop Construction at 801-567-1234. We have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Again, that's 801-567-1234 to find out more about how we can protect your home. Thank you for tuning in with me. I'm sitting here with Bill, and we are going over the business about hiring a business coach, which I think everybody needs. And he's been doing this since 1990, his own business. So, Bill, let's get back with what we were talking about. It was quite interesting. You know, you would how to tell somebody they are wrong. But, uh, <laughs> I, you know, sometimes we do need to be told that we're wrong, but you probably have a different method of doing that. So that's kind of maybe a little cushiony, or are you just blunt and just say, hey, you're wrong. You know, no one's going to take you seriously. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, get, I'll tell you a story. Remember, I told you people remember stories. Okay. I had a person I was coaching um, last May. Mm hmm. And, you know, COVID-19 had set in, a lot of companies had laid a lot of people off, and this person was one of the ones who found themselves laid off in March. Oh. And when I was coaching them, I said, you know, the most effective way to find a new position is to network your way into the position. Mm -hmm. And there's actually a metric that demonstrates that uh, the career transition industry, and those are the companies when someone when a company is laying a bunch of people off they'll go to them and and give them a contract to help some of those people find work that industry over the last 45 years has it met, has created metrics to demonstrate how people find their job and what they found was eight percent of all jobs are filled by people applying online only eight percent 74 to 76% of all jobs are filled by people who are networking. But how would you so, network? Let's go back to pardon? that. How would you network if you were, I don't know, a doctor or a dentist and you need to get into your position was laid off because it was slow or, or something like that? Um, how would he go about, he or she go and find something? How would she network with that? Well, if they were a doctor or a dentist, mm -hmm. they've got a huge network of other doctors and dentists and probably hospital administrators and clinic administrators mm -hmm. and plus all of their former classmates. 
So they've got a built-in network. Mm-hmm. And what they would do is call the people that they have in their network, tell them their situation, and then ask them who it is that they feel that they should speak with next. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. You know, it's it's funny because I get pushed back. You know, I do a lot of coaching. 32 people that I've coached since March 15th, since the beginning of the COVID shutdown, have found new positions. Um, and they've made well, most of them have been offered jobs and in, well into six figures. Wow. And what they told me, some of them is, but I don't know how to network. And I, I laugh a little, you know, nice laugh. And I say to them, you've been networking your whole life. It just didn't have a name. <laughs> and they, they say, what do you mean? And I said, well, when you were four years old, do you remember going, where'd you get that? That's true. <laughs> With a brother or sister had an ice cream cone or a lollipop or a toy they wanted to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you got older, you went to college, maybe in college, you asked your fellow students, who is the best professor to teach this course? Or sometimes, I know I did this once, Who's the easiest professor? Yes. I got a heavy, <laughs> heavy yeah, I mean, schedule this year. I did that too. Yeah, I always looked around. Okay, he's he's not as hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so heavy that's load. networking. And then you get out, and you know where do I buy tires? And that's networking. So they've been networking. They've been practicing for this moment their entire life. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's it's just so a matter of going out, and I teach them how to give what I call a here I am speech. It's, you would know it as an elevator speech or a one minute commercial. Okay. 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 And then I give them, I give them the metrics. If you talk to two new people per week, it'll take you a year to find a job. Mm -hmm. If you talk to 10 new people per week, it'll take you um, six months to find a job. And if you talk to 20 people per week, so four per day, two in the morning, two in the afternoon, mm-hmm. you'll find a job in 90 days. And you know what, Kathy Lee? That has worked every single time. So repeat that one more time. They're asking that. My audience. That if you network with two people per week, it'll take you a year mm-hmm. to find a new job. If you network with 10 new people per week, it will take you six months to find a job. And if you network with 20 new people per week, two in the morning, two in the afternoon, every single day, you will find a job in 90 days. Wow. As your years experience, this has been successful. Absolutely. Or well, how would I know if I'm the right client for you? How would you know if you were the right? Well, you'd be a person who is very interested in finding the job that they want. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm talking on the career transition side right now. Okay. Um, if you're really interested in finding the job that you want and you want coaching, mm-hmm. I have the experience to help coach you into your next position. And the people who get my top package 
if they find a job in 90 days, they've still got nine months of my coaching that I can give them. And some of that could be to help them build their team. And they're, they're getting it done at a fraction of the cost because they've got a recruiter helping them. Mm-hmm. Or somebody, yeah, you're a recruiter, but you're also a business coach and you can keep them sharp and on top of their gain while they have their, they just started their job so they can be successful. Is that correct? Exactly. Good. I like that. I like that. And what can I do to make change? You know, that's a big thing. What can I do to make, to change? Well, you know, change is difficult for everybody. And change is difficult for me. Mm-hmm. What I found that works for me and probably works for everybody is I start slow. And I set a goal to incorporate this change, you know, depending on what it is, obviously. But, you know, if it's something that I do daily that I need to change, then I'll in- incorporate that in part of my daily plan. Make it more if positive. It's something that's Right. If it's something that's more strategic, then you have to build up to it. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing is to go do it. How will, you know, how would, how would I defend, ah, defend my success for myself? How would I define success for myself? You know what I mean? How will you help me define success for myself? Because, you know, like you said, change. Right. That goes back to goal setting. Okay. Right? Oh, okay. So I, um, something you don't know about me that I'm going to tell you right now. In uh, 1969, it was the, my sophomore year of college. And that summer, I set a goal because I read in the Washington Post over Easter that Greyhound would get you from Washington, D.C. to Los Angeles in five days. Mm-hmm. And my mentality was, you know, I paid my way through high school. And so my mentality was, well, if Greyhound can do it, I can do it. So I set a goal to hitchhike from Washington, D.C. to Los Angeles in five days in 1969 before the interstates were completed. What? What did you do? You hitchhike. I hitchhiked. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. That's a little different. Okay, I kept and that you walked. And what I did was I used scamps. So the goal was specific. Mm-hmm. Hitchhike from DC to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I created a strategy and part of the strategy was to recruit a friend of mine from college and he was in South Boston. And I recruited him to join me because I thought it'd be safer for two guys to hitchhike together instead of just one. And then we we looked out and we decided we had to be in Kansas city the second night in order to have a chance of making it in five days. Mm -hmm. And so we were going to hitchhike out on I 70 and then we're going to drop down I 35 and then head out on uh, route 66. Mm -hmm. So we got to Kansas city the second night. Okay. And we went, wow, we're right on target. Mm -hmm. And I created signs for all the cities along the way. So on the way to Kansas City, somebody dropped us off in Columbus, Ohio, and I put up my St. Louis sign and got a ride to St. Louis with a truck driver. We helped him. Actually, we 
we didn't help him. He slept and we unloaded the truck and we did it so quickly. He was able to be the one to give us a ride to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So the next morning we got up and we got three rides and we were just north of Wichita. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And this car with um, a U-Haul and a husband, wife and their three year old stopped and we had our los angeles sign up Uh it said la and they stopped and they said can you help us drive and we said sure they said great we'll give you a ride to la we made it in five days interesting well bill there's something i want to ask you can i can i speak to other clients about their experience with you oh sure okay that's good to know and then uh, that's good to know because some people, you know, like they said, they want to talk. And can you tell me how to best manage by my personal and my professional life? <laughs> well, the best way to manage it is to set goals. Mm-hmm. Okay. But can you help? So know what it is that you want to accomplish and then set goals to help you accomplish it. Okay. Okay. And then do you, do you, Bill, do you say that most hiring managers have not been taught how to interview effectively, efficiently? You know, isn't that scary? Yes. They, (laughs) managers have never been taught how to interview effectively. Isn't that terrible? I know. That's scary. Mm Mm-hmm. So with my clients, what I do is I help them by um, teaching their management staff. Uh, and so now I'm talking to recruiting clients. Mm-hmm. I help them by teaching their management staff how to be more effective interviewers. Mm-hmm. And that way they're select they're doing a better job selecting the right candidate. Because then they realize, oh, I need to hire this guy. Yeah. Yeah. But is that scary that there's managers out there that don't know how to hire <laughs> most of them don't unfortunately once recruiting begins to attract top talent what are the what's the next step well retaining top talent is really important and people like to receive recognition for doing things well and unfortunately if companies are not using the three-month, six-month, nine-month, and 12-month goals, they're not doing a good job measuring how successful that person is. Mm-hmm. And therefore, what happens is the person may have been knocking the cover off the ball, using a baseball analogy, mm-hmm. and and the manager doesn't know it. And so at the end of the year for their annual review, they get a dart out and they throw it at the dartboard and they go, oh, met expectations. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe if you set those goals, you would have seen that they far exceeded those expectations. And then you would have given them recognition, both through either possibly a promotion or through a nicer raise. So if you don't do a good job measuring their success during the year, you're not doing a good job with the annual review and therefore they're not receiving the recognition they deserve and they leave. Wow. Interesting. 
Well, Bill, what do you mean when you say top hiring managers do their own talent scouting? They're going to be far more successful than human resources. They know exactly what they're looking for in the person that is uh, that they're recruiting. And so uh, one of the people that I interviewed for my new book that's coming out in March, and that's Expect Success, The Science of the Over 50 Career Search, mm-hmm. was a person who was a founder and CEO of a Salt Lake City uh, biotech company. Mm-hmm. And he said the reason he liked networking from the perspective of candidates being introduced to him mm-hmm. is that when he's received a, a candidate from a trusted or confident that that person is going to be a good fit for his company. Mm-hmm. So if CEOs want people to network in. (laughs) Doesn't it make sense that maybe that's the way you should get in? Well, the same is true with the hiring managers. Mm -hmm. If they have a trusted source who's contacts them and says, Hey, you need to hire Janice. She's amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. Janice is probably going to get that job. Right. So, you know, Go around HR, do your own talent scouting, and then tell HR, this is the person I want you to onboard for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but sometimes, this is my opinion, what I've seen out there due to some friends who are looking for work, sometimes the um, HR, or they ruin uh, the hiring, even if they do got a good manager to do the scouting and they know what they want hr would say oh we don't need him that person is um 63 years old we're not going to hire him you know he's too old or this and this and this but the guy or the girl is so talented in their skills but they don't get hired because of their age and i see people living longer better healthier into their 60s or later 50s to 60s than they were in their 40s. You know what I'm saying? They're more sharp. Oh, they know what they're looking for. They're, and the HR, I'm sorry, um, they ruin a lot of uh, hiring because even though the guy, the manager, the scouting manager has interviewed, loves that person, or love that, you know, enjoys, sees what that what he needs and what he wants to get the job done, but HR is the one ruins the the hiring. So a lot depends on how high you come into a company. Okay. Um, if if the per, it might be true for a manager if they can if they are intimidated by human resources. Mm-hmm. However, in my experience as a recruiter. Um, the oldest person I recruited for a client was 65. Wow. And this person, uh, and he was hired and he ended up, he was an IT auditor. Um, uh, I introduced him to 
in an, an insurance company whose name you would recognize. And just as a hint, they've got this building in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And the manager said, but what happens if two years from now he decides to retire? Mm-hmm. And I said to the manager, do you feel of the five candidates you've interviewed today that he's the best? He said, yes. And I said, who's to say that any of the other four would not leave in two years for other reasons? Mm -hmm. And he said, good point. So he ended up extending an offer. The guy accepted. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, um, Rich only had the, the manager only had him for two years, mm-hmm. but the company, the reason was the company promoted him to the director of IT audit <laughs> oh my and he stayed there another four years. So he, he moved up. Wow. He moved up. That's the reason why the manager lost him, but that's better for the company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm 71. I'm out here having fun. I'm recruiting. I'm coaching people. And when people say, well, people aren't going to hire me, I go, they still hire me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. That's true. But I do see people. Where was I at? It was about a couple of years ago. And I saw somebody in an office. He was like 72 or 73. And he was still working there. And he's doing a great job. He was doing a great job, but I think it's the wisdom and knowledge that they bring to the company and these younger people can look up to and learn from. You ever heard that word? Learn from. You learn from your mom and dad. You learn from your father. You learn from your grandfather. You you learn. Why not learn from an older gentleman in your skills? You may not agree with 100%, but there's something there that you can learn from. Yeah. Right. I I agree with that. I agree with that 110% because, you know, if I had a company to this day and I accidentally hired a senior guy, he was my driver. Let's use that for example. And then I find out he's, he was just retired from his company. He was some big CEO, you know, of a company, but he just wanted something sure. to do. But next, you know, I put him in and he's in my office, not doing the CEO job, but he's doing something that still keeps his skills sharp. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. And he brought yep. so much to the table. And then the younger generation looks at him and the younger, you know what I mean? For wisdom and courage and, you know, how do we do this? How do I present that? He, he gives them some pointers and it was valuable to the company. They don't right. realize how much seniors are valuable to a company. They really, oh, I, truly are. It's not I, the other way around. Yeah, if I was right. a CEO of a big company, you know, I would be hiring CE, I mean, seniors in the, that are still sharp. They're still, you know, um, yeah, they might have retired, but they may want to have a part-time job. They might want something to do and entice the company. Do you know what I'm saying? You still give them that flexibility because they're seniors. But still, you know, they're bringing assets to the company. I'm sorry. Right. No, I, that's true. I agree with that. And if I was looking for a recruiter or a business coach, I would hire you because of your years experience. You've been, you work with the Boston Post. Hello, I'm from, back from Jersey area. I have family in Washington, DC. I'm familiar with the Boston Post as well as some of the other companies that you talked about that were clients of yours. 
as a recruiting, uh, you know, you have the skills, you did recruiting, and now you're teaching uh, business coaching. You know, what better person to have than somebody who has some hard knock experience. And they're hard to find these days. I ran into somebody, um, excuse me, they came on my show, I'm not going to mention their name, and I listened to them talk, didn't know quack what they were talking about, excuse me. <laughs> I, they were young, they had no experience under their belt. How can you be a recruiter when you have no experience under your belt? Do you know what I'm saying? It takes years. It's like getting that job. Your first job at 16, you work your way up. You know, you don't right. just walk into a manager's position at 21. And if you do, if that happens, and you should be really demoted because you don't have the experience yet. Does that well, make sense? Well, when I speak with recent college grads and they say to me, um, you know, I'm in, I graduated with a degree in management and that's what I want as a job in management. And I said, well, that's, you know, it's fine. That's a nice school, but uh, let me ask you a question. What happens if they make you manager of a group that everybody is 50 years old and older and have worked at that company for 30 years? How are you going to help those people succeed when you've been there for a month. <laughs> That's true. And what do they say? They they have and they usually, you know, they usually just say, "Yeah, I guess you're right." <laughs> <laughs> That, that's they, true. I have a good friend. I'm sure you heard of them. Sorensen Media, Sorensen. Um, they're really big here in Salt Lake City. The right. father is a multimillionaire. Yada, yada, worked his way up. I mean, the guy is a self made millionaire. Of course, he passed on. But his son had to take over. But before his son could move anywhere in the company, his dad gave him a broom and said, Start sweeping. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the truth. He had to start from the bottom. He didn't say that for very long, but you got to learn the ropes of the company before I'm going to put you in this position. I don't care. He read his dad said because I don't care what college or lead school you went to. Here's a broom, <laughs> you know, yep. and, and that's where he had to start is the bottom. Work your way to the top. I'm using a, you know, strategy, but guess what he told me. Well, it's, it's something that everybody needs to do. You know, everybody needs to be the person who does the cleanup and understand the other positions within the company and grow up through the company. Mm -hmm. That way, when there is some sort of a challenge or an issue, right. they know better how to handle it. Right. That's what his father taught him. But he ended up being, you know, Jim Sorensen, Junior is his name, but now he retired, handed it on to his son, and his son had to learn the same thing. Even though he went to a really elite school, same thing. He had to start. Not that the you know he worked his way into company way with the college, but still, you have to start at the bottom. You don't just walk in. And so he wanted to graduate from those elite schools. He went to some fancy ones, and right. uh, same thing. His father said, "You know, start here." You know, and he had to work his way. He had to work within the company. And uh, and I agreed with that. 
you know, even though his father owns it, it still has to work work the way into the company. And and the same thing. And I admire these young kids that get these, you know, go to Harvard and all these universities. It's wonderful to get that degree and and stuff. But remember, the job it will come. It will come. But so, but you need the experience under your belt. That's true. I have a nephew who is a perfect example of that. He graduated from the University of Florida, actually with a degree in management, mm -hmm. and went to work for a very large construction company. And they put him out in the field first so he could learn out there. And then they brought him in the office and they taught him how to estimate. And he was estimating big projects like hospitals mm -hmm. and, and beginning to run the project, like a hospital project. Uh, there was one in London, I believe. And he decided he wanted to get his Harvard MBA. Well, he's had all of that wealth of field and office experience. He gets his Harvard MBA and then he gets his dream uh, management job with a brand new company. So mm -hmm. you have to get that field experience, you know, whatever that field is in before mm -hmm. you can become mm -hmm. a top leader in a company. Right. And that's when the, the advanced degrees really benefit somebody. Mm -hmm. I have, how do you, how do they find top talent? How, I think we talked a little bit about that. Okay, let's go to the next question. How do, how do companies ensure they comply with the EEOC standards, standards for interviewing? Well, it's important to understand that in interviewing, there the only questions that you may ask are ones that relate to the job. Okay. You may not ask any questions about that person's personal life. Um, and so, you know, you may not ask them, for instance, if they go whitewater rafting, unless, unless you're a whitewater raft company, in which case then you want to know the experience. But if you, you know, you can't ask anything that's a religious orientation. You can't ask anything really about age. And so the important thing is just keep it the topics for your interviewing on the professional side of things. What, what are required to know to do the job well? Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you stay away from the EEOC interviewing problems. The other thing that it's important to do is you have to track the number of diversity candidates that you're interviewing for a position, and particularly if your company is making uh, revenues of $50 million or more. Mm -hmm. And so there's, the EEOC allows companies to create their own form, but essentially it's what was the job, list all the candidates who interviewed for the position, or who actually qualified as being a candidate. Uh, with my clients, when I consult with them, I suggest that they make the candidate, uh, a person becomes a candidate when they have one specific conversation about the job with them. Mm -hmm. After that, that point, they become a candidate and they get listed um, on the spreadsheet or however the company tracks. Mm -hmm. um, and Bill, then you have, 
Bill, I have a question. There's questions popping up. Uh, my sure. audience wants to know. Here's one. Um, this gentleman wants to know, in my experience, I found experience can be double-edged sword. Some managements don't want to get set habits and methods. That's what he said. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's the I question. Guess, why? The question for the candidate would be um, to find out how flexible they are in terms of their work experience and, and accepting new ways of doing things. Is this only in the U.S. or that generally accepted worldwide? My guess is it's probably worldwide because we're all humans. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I, I don't totally subscribe to that because my feeling is the value of diversity is that person is bringing in a different way of looking at problems than we probably are, you know, and by we, in this case, I would say white males who are 71 years old. <laughs> um, if they're younger than me, they may look at it a different way, or if they're a different color than me, they're probably going to look at it a different way because their experience is going to help define how they're going to look at a situation. And then that becomes actually for a, for a company, the more people who are providing input into a solution, the more likely you're going to find a much better solution. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's another one. He thinks it's false that some managers are scared of top talent because they feel as they will look bad. Well, there's no question that there are some managers who are afraid of top talent and, and are afraid they're going to take their job away. Yes. Um, yes there's a, a great book and the book's name is top grading. Um, how leading companies win by hiring, coaching and keeping the best people. Mm -hmm. And Bradford D smart PhD is the author. Mm -hmm. And what he does is he suggests that the best candidates, the top talent, are the top 10%, and he calls them the A players. And the B players are probably 50% to 89%, and then everything below the B players are C players. Mm -hmm. A C player manager will typically only hire C player candidates to make them employees. Mm. A B level manager will tend to hire B level people, but let's say an A level person has a bad interviewing day. Mm -hmm. um, they'll probably hire that person and do a good job managing them. Mm. And the A player managers will only hire A player um candidates or people that maybe are B or B plus and they show promise to improve and become an A player. The C player manager will never hire an A player for a job. Never. Yeah, I can see Never. That. Because they'll, they're afraid that that person will take their management position. Right. Right. I know somebody that happened a lot too. And, you know, 
the person walked away and said, you know, I think he's afraid I'm going to take his job. But I'm never going to take his job. I won't take his job. I'll help him, but I won't take his job. Right. So, and then, yeah, unfortunately, it happens more than most companies know. Well, Bill, tell me about your ebook. Tell me what you're doing with that. On the pot. So, my book, um, uh, Expect Success The Science of the Over 50 Career Search. Mm-hmm. Currently, we, uh, I just finished rewriting the edited st- step eight of of 12 steps my editor is in new jersey so that'll resonate with you (laughs) and she's amazing uh daria mioli and she she's doing a great job uh she's got a little challenge it's a covid related challenge her two sons are eight and (laughs) ten and they're homeschooling so she's um, having to take time with them and having it's you know taking a little bit of time out of my book but i totally get that mm-hmm. um we expect it to go to pagination in about three weeks right around the first of march mm-hmm. and then be published probably at the end of march mm-hmm. and uh so i'm really excited about it it's it's a great book because a lot of the people I coach are over 50, and there are many stories in there about both the good things and the bad things that those over 50 candidates have done. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's another one more question, and we're going to close. Uh, someone here is asking, what is the youngest person you have ever recruited into the management level position? Youngest person. Yeah, the youngest person you ever so, so you got to remember, age is a question I'm not allowed to ask. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I guess it would depend on the company and the position. But I referring I, to their time, you know, referring to experience, typically, you know, are some 20 something mature enough to handle the position. I think that there's probably 20 year olds that are, I mean, there are 20 year olds that are starting companies, uh, some little company by the name of Facebook, you may have heard of. Yes, uh, yeah. They were started by a 20 year old and, and uh, in his twenties. Yeah. In his twenties. And then there's another company, uh, the guy dropped out of college and he started his probably 29 or 30. His name was Bill Gates. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, so, yeah, there's, yeah, he, you know, I think it's just being an entrepreneur and just don't give up and, you know, and sometimes too, to me, I find out it's being the right place at the right time and meeting the right recruiter, you know, maybe like Bill Gates and the gentleman with Facebook, they probably had older um, people behind them, you know, that push them along. I'm sorry, but age too helps the 20 year olds, you know? Oh, sure. I mean, I'm sure that they had investors who were probably older than they were. Yeah. And this probably helping them along and saw something in these kids and make it happen. Yeah. Especially Bill Gates with windows and so on and so on. But, you know, Bill, we can go on and on and on. And this has been a great show. And I do want to bring you back for your books and to you know, recap, on a lot of stuff that we talked about 
because it's really getting a lot of attention here. A lot of people popping in with a lot of questions. But uh, great. Um, let's bring you back. You know, probably within a month. How's that sound? Let's do it again in March, and uh, and keep it going because hiring people looking for work. It's you know, it's scary on one hand, but yet you need to. If you get a good business coach to guide you and get some training, get some skills under your belt, that will help you, give you the confidence when you walk into that interview and you know what to say and not intimidate the, the hiring person too, you know. That's a, right. That's another thing. Well, sometimes you're going to intimidate them anyway and it's out of your hands. But um, but the thing is, the, the most to. important thing in a, in a job search is to be able to make positive, measurable impacts and have fun. And if you have both of those elements in a new job, then you're going to be happy. Right, right. Well, I'd like to thank you so much. Oh, is there anything, any information you want to give out so they can contact you? Public. I mean, it's going to be on the profile for those who are listening in. It will be on the profile so you will be able to see your contacts for them to contact you. So the, the place to find me that's really easy is recruiterguy.com. Recruiter guide, like G U Y. G U Y. Oh, G U. Yep. Which one is it? So I'm, I'm recruiter guy, and since I'm recruiterguy.com, all of those other people who think they're recruiter guy, are just players. Ah, okay. Well, I like I sent someone to you, and he was impressed with you. So, um, the you know see what he does with that, but. I, if anybody out there listening, please, you know, an older gentleman that's a recruiter, uh, he's live here on my show and he'll be back again next month. And uh, I'll give you info on that when he'll be back. And, uh, you know, if you have any more questions, please drop us a line or again, go to bill at recruiterguy.com. That's Bill at RecruiterGuide.com. And thank you, Bill, for coming on. This was really a fun, fun show and uh, educational, I should say. Thank you, Kathy Lee. It was fun to be here with you and your audience, and I really appreciate your time. I look forward to coming back. Okay. We'll be talking next month. And for all those who are listening, he, his info will be on his profile. So thank you so much for listening in to the Kathy Lee Parker Show. Any questions with the show, contact me at Kathy Lee Parker at live.com. Have a great day and thank you so much for tuning in.